Hey, heard you were having trouble. You're that guy who won't stop saying, yeah, Ronathan. Ronathan. Yeah, I was, but uh, I heard people hate that, so I am committed to being a better listener. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Okay, well, I think there's something wrong with- With your computer. No, my phone, actually. Oh. I just, I can't Can't update to the new OS, yeah. No, access- The internet. No, my e- Trade. Mail. Got it. E-trade. Mail. Mail. Email. Email. Okay, Got it. Yeah. the way you keep finishing my sentences is really, really helpful, I know. Annoying. Yeah. Uh -huh. You keep mm. guessing wrong. Just let me finish what I'm eating. Eating? Eating. Really? You thought I was going to say, say eating. eating? Yeah. Okay, yes. That time I was going to say eating, eating, but not the time of your life. No, I was saying not the time before that. None of your guesses make him an offer you can't refuse. Sense. Just shut up for one direction. Why are you doing Drugs? This? this? Why are you doing this? Oh, I'm just helping the conversation along and just showing you that I understand. But you clearly don't understand. Pants. Stand. Okay, this would take less time if you just waited half a second and really listened to my problem instead, instead of- Instead of piloting a single engine Cessna to a remote jungle in Peru in quest for some legendary Inca artifact that was supposedly hidden shortly after Spanish conquest and then finding it and learning that it's far too powerful for any one man to control regardless of his intentions and casting it into the ocean. Yeah, I get that a lot. Interrupting. Yeah, or that, sure. That's so, what I was gonna say. Uh, okay, whatever. Um, your problem is Getting jiggy with it. My Sharona, right? Email on the my phonograph. Phone. Phonograph. Just phone. 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 Yeah. Phone. Oh, yeah. I can help you with that. Definitely. I don't know why you didn't just say that to I begin did. with. I did. But yeah, there you go. You forgot to update your password, so the email wasn't forwarding properly. Oh, that easy, huh? Mm, just that easy. Okay. Well, thank you. you. Yes, thank For you. For being a friend. Just don't touch me. You know anybody who's not great at listening? Listening is hard, isn't it? Uh, we'll get into that in just a second. My name is Danny. I'm the campus minister here at Lutheran Church of Hope Ames. I also get to hang out with Kairos. I want to say hello to those of you who are here tonight. I also want to say hi to those of you who are in Iowa City. Like always, can we go ahead and turn to that camera over there? And everybody say on the count of three, hello, Iowa City. One, two, three. Oh, it's so good to be with you all here tonight. It just always impresses me that you guys come out. You have a lot going on. I know that you have a lot going on. I was a college student 35 years ago, and I know that you have a lot going on. Back then, we used typewriters. Um, but uh, I, I, so these two gals walked in tonight, and they said that they drove all the way from Chicago just to make it on time tonight. Where are you at? Where are you at? Come on. Okay, there they are. You guys, can we give them a round of applause? Like, how cool is that? That's amazing. She said she was supposed to get here by 8.11. She made it by 8, okay? Drive safe, friends. <laughs> Don't take chances. All right. Well, hey, uh, listening, listening, listening is hard. And uh, it does, the, the irony tonight does not escape me that on a night when I'm talking about listening, I'm talking to you. Um, but listening can be a hard thing to do, but it's also a really important thing to do. When I started seminary up in the Twin Cities, they said, one of the things that you're going to have to do in your pastor is, and I said, talk. And no, I didn't say that. And you don't want to be like the guy in the video. They said, no, you have to listen. You have to be able to listen to people. And they took it so seriously that they put us through this process of learning how to be an active listener. Anyone here ever learned about being an active listener? Yes, okay, so a few of you. Um, so you can correct me when I get this wrong. But they talk about being an active listener, and part about being an active listener is not only listening, but showing that you're listening to someone. 
Now, the problem is, is that there was so much going on with being an active listener and so many rules about being an active listener that, that I, I was having a hard time listening over my thoughts about being an active listener because they gave you certain tips that you should say to show that you were listening. So, for example, you could say, okay. Someone continues to talk, you say, interesting. Or you could give a, mmm. And then the last one was my favorite was, wow. Now, it's very critical to use the wow in the right place, right? Like, uh, you know, for example, like, oh, wow, I lost uh, a, a dear uh, childhood pet today. Wow! It, not right, right? But if you're not listening closely, you can find yourself in that position. You're like, oh, oh, no. It's interesting, even in the situations where it feels like it should be easy to listen, it can be hard to listen. If you're interested in someone, like, romantically, who's sitting across from you and they're talking to you, and then they finish, they've asked you a question, you're just like... <laughs> Mm. They're like, I asked you a question. <laughs> I love you. What? Uh, you didn't hear that. You weren't listening, right? It's just hard to listen sometimes. It's hard to focus. It's hard to sometimes listen because we're already thinking about the thing that we just want to say back to someone. It's hard to listen, but it's important to listen. It is especially important to listen when we don't know what to do. That's our series, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. And tonight I want to encourage you all to listen when you don't know what to do. That's kind of clear, right? Like, I don't know what to do. I need some instructions. I should listen. There are people in the Bible who needed some instruction. They had been set free from living in slavery in Egypt. We've kind of talked about this throughout the year, but there were people, they were living in slavery. These were God's people. God frees them, and he says, now listen to me. Listen. It's interesting. God does not give law. He doesn't give rules until he sets people free. Sometimes we think that we have to do the right thing, we have to follow the rules in order to get freedom. But the truth is, is God says, no, the rules show you how to live free. This is what it looks like to live free. And so God says to these people, you're about to live a life that you've never lived before. You're about to live in ultimate freedom. This is gonna be awesome. This is gonna be amazing. And so he starts by saying, listen, oh Israel. Listen, the Lord is our God and the Lord alone. He's worth listening to. You love the Lord your God with all your heart. You've got to do this. All your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Listen to him. What does it mean to live a free life? It means listening to God. And we can think, okay, well, that's interesting. Freedom and guidance don't really seem like they go along with one another. They're kind of contradictory, aren't they? Well, no, they're not. If you need instructions for a map to how to get to a place where you are going to be in freedom... You're going to have to listen how to get there. If you're driving on a road, we certainly hope that there are rules and people following the rules of which side of the road you're supposed to drive on. Can you imagine? Ah! There's no freedom in that. Freedom necessitates guidance. And God says, let me show you what a free life looks like. He starts with, listen. This is, a, uh, this is a verse that's been turned into a prayer. Um, in the Jewish tradition, is still recited today. In my seminary class, we had to say this over and over and over again. We'd start class every single day. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Every single day, right? It's so, like, this is stuck in my head. I'm like, I listen to it, I listen to it, I listen to it. But what does it mean? Well, there's Shema. There's this word Shema. Everybody say Shema. This is the Hebrew word for listen. Everybody say Listen. <laughs> you listened to me. All right, so, yeah, see. All right, well, anyway, but here's the thing. There seems to be a difference 
between letting sound waves touch your ears and actually listening. It seems to be in the Bible it tells us this also. They have ears but cannot hear. The Bible over and over again, it kind of brings stuff up like this, and it's insinuating that just because you have working ears does not mean that you listen. And even if you don't have working ears, it does not mean that you cannot listen. There is a difference between listening and listening. There's a difference between sound waves entering your ears and actually listening. See, listening, it kind of insinuates a response. If you haven't noticed, and I hope you haven't, but maybe you have now, I'm wearing sandals tonight, and there's a reason for that. It's not because I'm trying to make a statement, although I can't help it, I just do. But I'm not trying to make a statement. Um, a few weeks ago, I'm in the middle of uh, training for a marathon. I'm not trying to brag, I say I'm. But anyway, so I'm in the middle of training for a marathon. No one ever cares when I bring it up. Do you guys like running? No. Do you want me to tell you about it? No. We don't want to listen to you. Okay. Segway back in. So I was training, and I tried on a new pair of shoes for a long run. And when you try a new pair of shoes that aren't quite right for your feet on a long run, you get really bad blisters. And so over the course of a long run, on the outside of both of my feet, I had a just long, painful, disgusting, oozing blister. Both feet had to walk around like this. Um, I spoke with uh, somebody who's been my physical therapist in the past, and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I said, I can't stop training. I have to keep on doing this. And so she said, she said, okay, well, between runs, you can only wear sandals. Like, because the tightness of the shoe could continue to cause problems with that blister and it won't heal as fast. You need to air it out. You're welcome. I'm not going barefoot tonight in these sandals. I'm wearing socks. But she said, you need to air it out. So avoid wearing shoes as much as possible. She said, but when you're running, you have to wear shoes, but avoid tight turns. I'm like, yep, uh-huh, got it. Avoid tight turns. She said, once it's fully healed, it has to be fully healed, then you can run like normal again. So I was doing pretty well, and my feet were starting to come back together, and I'm starting to feel more and more confident in my running, until last night. Last night, I decided to run on an indoor track, and if you know anything about indoor tracks, they have tight turns. And I did tight turn after tight turn after tight turn. And about halfway through, I realized, oh no, it's happening again. It's happening again. So this is a picture of my foot. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. <laughs> but if you're super weird and want to see it, like if you're really weird, I can show you. I have a picture of it on my phone later because I'm weird and I took a picture of it. My pinky toe is so messed up right now. And so I'm back in sandals. I talked to my physical therapist again this morning and I said, what, what am I supposed to do? And she goes, you didn't listen to me. You didn't listen to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? I listened, I listened. I heard all the words. I tried to do all the stuff. Not until you're fully healed. You heard the words. The words came into your ears, but you didn't listen. There's a difference between absorbing sound waves and actually listening. Listening demands a response. It says this in the book of Exodus when God is again talking to his people. He's like, do you want that freedom? Do you want the good feet? Do you want to live in this good place? He says, there is a way to get there. If you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will have the best life. The best life. Doesn't mean circumstantially everything will work out, but you will be my own special treasure. God looks at you and he's like, yeah, the way that you want someone to look at you and talk to you with that love and that adoration, and you just want that person to look back at you and say, I love you too. God says, you will be that. 
You will absolutely be that. But this Shema word, it not only means listen, but it also means to obey. And we hear them like, obey, great, that's awesome. So again, now I have to do things in order to get God to love me. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yes, it is true that the same word that's used in the Old Testament in the Hebrew for listen is the same word that's used for obey. They don't have separate words for these. Isn't that interesting? It's assuming you heard God and you know God and you love God and so you obeyed God. Like, okay, well, again, that seems a little demanding. That seems a little controlling. But how do we talk to God? Now, this isn't the part where I say, no, don't you dare talk to God and say, God, shema to me. Don't you, don't say, listen to me. No, it's all over the Bible. This is what it says in the book of Psalms, chapter 27. Hear me, shema me, God. Be merciful and answer me. God, respond to me. The audacity to say, God, not obey me, but do what I'm asking you. It's not obeying because God is not living under us. We are not his master. And yet God behaves as a servant. Talk to me. Tell me what you want. There's this passage in the book of Jeremiah. We're going all over the place tonight. It says, buckle in tight. But the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, this is one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good to give you a future and a hope. Maybe a lot of you had this on your graduation cards from high school. Maybe a lot of you guys are putting this on stuff because you're graduating soon. You're like, yeah, God's got a future and a hope for me, and this is good. But go back a verse and look what this says. You're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. Translation, you're going to live in captivity, and your life is going to stink for 70 years. But I will come, and I will do for you all the good things that I've promised, and I will bring you home again. I will bring you home again. Listen to God's words. What does he want for you? For you to be home. It says this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12, the verse after that famous verse. It says, in those days you will pray, and God himself says, I will listen. And when God says he will listen, it is not a matter of sound waves bouncing off of his eardrums. He responds. He responds with plans, action plans for future and hope. God listens to you because he wants to bring you home. There are only certain things that you bring home, right? You don't go out and steal things that don't belong to you and bring them home unless you're one of those people and we can talk about that later. But see, there's another word that's attached with Shema in the Old Testament. It says it's proclaim. Proclaim. The root of the word proclaim, claim. So when we look at all those verses in the Bible that say, listen to God, and when God says, listen to me, it's saying, claim God. And God's saying, I claim you because we love each other. We listen to each other. And you'll respond to that voice. You'll love that voice and you'll recognize that voice. That's amazing how God can reach you. How God's voice can stand out among the rest. 
And that happens when you get comfortable with God, when you get familiar with God. I know that sometimes God feels like that person that you locked eyes with across the room. You're like, oh, now I don't actually know what to say. Like, I felt like we were really moving and grooving, but now I have to use my words? It takes time. I hear you on that. The more time you spend around God, perhaps the more you will recognize his voice. And the more in love with that voice you will become. And the more that you will see that God does want you home with him, and you want him home with you. And we find home is not complete without one another. I was at the Brickyard 400 in 1999. I talked about NASCAR last week. I told you I was a big NASCAR fan, so I'm going to talk about it again this week. That's the Brickyard 400 in 1999. This is the largest sporting event, attendance-wise, in the history of the world. And I was there. This is 1999. I was 30 years old. And... Uh, <laughs> No, it was, uh, I think it was, I was six or seven, depending on when it, when it fell in the summer. And, and uh, it was crazy crowded. 350,000 people were there. The stadium seats 250. They went 100,000 over capacity. You think it's crowded in this room? Man, NASCAR was thriving back in those days. And the worst thing happened to me, at least in my six or seven-year-old brain, I wandered off. I was with my dad and I was with my brother. And sure enough, there came a moment where I wandered off. I was away from my dad. And I was terrified. And it took me a moment, but I started to look around I'm like, you're not my father, you're not my father, you're not my father. Oh, I hope you're not my father. Because if you go to a NASCAR race, you know that smell, you know that feeling, and you know those words that people use. What you doing here, boy? Oh, you're not my dad. You know. You got a big old three tattooed on their bicep. Junior! <laughs> like, 10 of you really understand that joke. Um, man, it's a beautiful thing. And there are hundreds of, like, actually hundreds of thousands of people around me. And voices, I mean, it's just that constant buzz of loud voices. And yet when I hear that one voice among the crowd, my dad's voice, that low, booming, Danny, and my brother's prepubescent, high-pitched, eight-year-old voice, Danny, <laughs> I heard it, and I could recognize it. It was claiming me, and I was doing anything to claim it in that moment. You see, that's the kind of voice that you actually willingly respond to. Sometimes people think Christianity is about control. Listening to God does not mean that God is controlling you. God is in a relationship with you, in a healthy relationship with you. And a healthy relationship demands that you have the choice to be in it. You do. Now, when you see it, when you come face to face with it, it does become something that you don't want to walk away from. It's not control, it's love. When you listen to God, it's not because he's controlling you. When you listen to God, it's because you've accepted that claim. And you've claimed him. And you're proud of it. It comes naturally. You know, maybe you're forcing these things. Maybe you feel like your faith has hit a stopping point. And we all get to places where our faith hits a stopping point. So it's not a flaw on your faith. If you're running into doubt, I've told, these, I've told uh, this church, I've told this group here at Kairos many times before, I've dealt with doubt in my life. It's a real thing. It's not a flaw of your faith. But if you are getting to that place of numbness, 
Perhaps it's because you've been trying so hard and like, like just control me, just force me. God's like, I'm not gonna do that. I want you to accept my claim. I want you to accept my invitation. Listen to me. There are certain sounds that you just naturally respond to, right? Now, there are certain sounds that you won't naturally respond to. Control is like trying to dance to a song that you hate. I'm not a country music fan at all, which is surprising because I love NASCAR. And at NASCAR races, all they do is play country. That might be why I fell away from it, okay? But forcing yourself to dance to a song that you don't like is like being controlled to listen, and that's not real listening, but there are certain songs that you hear that you just cannot help yourself. So at Hope, every single summer, we do this thing called Vacation Bible School. Is anybody here a Vacation Bible School kid? Yeah, come on, you know about it. This is Vacation Bible School at our West Des Moines campus here. Isn't that crazy? That's church. I mean, it's just nuts. Thousands of kids get together. And every single summer, I volunteer as a song leader, not because I can sing and not because I can dance well, but because I like to move. I really like to groove because when I hear a song that I really love, I cannot help myself. I just want to move. And the same thing actually goes for the kids, too. Like, on day one, you've got those six-year-olds in the front row. The first graders sit up front. Those cute little kids, they get the best view. And so they sit up front, and they're like, uh... Oh, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do this. I don't think so. And then the sixth grade, you know, especially the boys in the back, they're like, no way, man. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know? Some of you who are like 19 in this room, you're like, that's still me. It's all right. It's okay. Someday. Someday. But then there's like a song that comes on. There's this one song called Waterwalk. Oh, you know, and I can't even help myself. And like, it starts to come on. The kids are standing there. Like you hear the beginning of the song. You're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. There's a storm. Power. And all of a sudden, all the six-year-olds in the front row cannot even help themselves. And they just straight up, right on. Let me see you walk on the top of the water. Follow God, Peter. Walk on the top of the water. Follow God. Three o'clock, gotta walk. Little faith and you will drop. Tick tock, trust in God. Little you know, faith and you will drop. How you wiggle, wiggle, walk. Peter, let me see you walk. How you wiggle, wiggle, walk. Peter, let me see you walk. How you wiggle, 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 let me see your water walk. Oh. Walk. Do the water walk. Tick tock tock, do the water walk. Peter, let me see your water walk. Walk. Wiggle, wiggle, walk. Walk, walk on the water, walk, walk on the water, walk, walk on the top of the water, follow God, be a walk on the top of the water, follow God, three o'clock, gotta walk, little faith and you will drop, tick tock, trust in God, little faith and you will drop, walk, walk, wiggle, walk, Peter, run, Peter, walk, 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 wiggle, walk, Peter, you can water, walk, 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 wiggle, walk, Peter, you can water, walk, tick tock, we can splash our footies, water, walk, all right, stand up. Let 
me see you walk on the top of the water, follow God. Peter, walk on the top of the water, follow God. Three o'clock, gotta walk. Little faith and you will drop. Tick tock, trust in God. Little faith and you will drop. How you wiggle, wiggle, walk. Peter, let me see you walk. How you wiggle, wiggle, walk. Peter, let me see you walk. How you wiggle, 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 Don't stop, Peter, let me see you water walk. 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 Yo, let me see you water walk. Oh. Walk. Do the water walk. Tick tock tock, do the water walk. Kids, let me see you water walk. Oh. Walk. Wiggle, wiggle, walk. Walk, walk on the water, walk, walk on the water. I will walk on the top of the water, son of God. I will walk on the top of the water, son of God. I will walk on the top of the water, son of God. I will walk on the top. God is with the yellow walk. I will walk on the top. God is with the yellow walk. Walk, wiggle, walk. Jesus, I can water walk. Wiggle, walk. Jesus, I can water walk. Tick tock. We can splash our footies. Water walk. I need some water. Oh, my physical therapist is gonna be so mad. You didn't listen to me. It started as blisters. Now they're sores. Oh, my pinky toe. I'm serious, oh, you got that water? I see people walking, not water walking. That was the worst idea I've ever had. Because I don't know how I'm gonna preach. This is wine, right? I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> it's grape juice. Woo. You ever drink water and you're so out of breath that you're blowing it back into your face? Wow. But man, when you hear a noise that you just can't resist, there's no stopping D train. That's my nickname for myself in high school. People didn't talk to me. Because I had talked to myself. Yo, D-Train, you ready? Choo-choo. My mom made up the uh, words and actions to that with some of her friends. Isn't it cool? Man. So if you don't have anything to do this summer, vacation Bible school is for you. This is called stalling while I try to get my breath back. That's harder than a marathon. That is so much harder. Okay. Wow, sometimes there's, okay, I'm not even gonna pretend. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna dive back into the Bible, ready? There's a guy named Hosea. And Isaac's gonna come up here and he's gonna give me some spiritual keys <laughs> so you don't hear me winded. But there's a guy named Hosea and he's living after the people who are walking through the wilderness. And he's living long before, or a lot of us oftentimes will pick up our Bibles in the New Testament when Jesus shows up. And Hosea is a man and he's a prophet. And God has a word for a prophet. Now prophets, a lot of times people think, well, are they just fortune tellers? Do they tell the future? Sometimes. But a prophet is someone who listens to the word of God and shares the word of God. Now some prophets weren't just called to communicate a message by their words, but some prophets were called to actually live out the promise that God wanted to share with people. And Hosea is one of them. 
And Hosea had the weirdest, strangest, most embarrassing call. God says, hey, you're going to get married. And Hosea's like, great. Finish the sentence, go and marry a prostitute. And Hosea's like, too much prophecy, God. He says, you're going to do this because I want to communicate to the people that even though they've broken my heart, I claim them. I'm married to them. And I love them still. Hosea, you're not going to understand me until you know what it's like to love someone who breaks your heart. So Hosea does it and things are going well because, you know, Hosea, he's a man of God. They have a few kids. Things seem to be going fine until the last son, they name him Lo-Ami, which means not mine. Hosea's wife, her name was Gomer. She had a child with someone else. Long story short, Gomer eventually leaves. One morning, Hosea wakes up and she's not in the bed. She's not around the house. She's not in the neighborhood where all the other people of God hang out. And I wonder if Hosea was ready to be done with her. It's over. It's fine. I'll move on. She hurt me. She broke me. Chapter 3, God says, Hey, Hosea, listen to me. Go and love your wife again. Even though she's breaking your heart, because this will illustrate that the Lord still loves his people. Listen, Hosea. Hosea is some kind of guy, right? He leaves home, probably goes to the wrong side of town. We wouldn't expect church people to show up. And what we know about Israel in the days of Hosea is that they had really kind of fallen down to the moral and ethical standards of the surrounding pagan nations. Where they would objectify and humiliate women, put them into the, sla the sex slave industry. And right on the public square, sell them. Probably stripped naked so everyone could see what they're buying. And this is where Hosea finds his wife. There are these dozens of voices projecting sound waves that are undoubtedly getting into the ears of Gomer. What was it like for Gomer? Yeah, I had the perfect marriage, but it was to a perfect man. I never felt good enough. Couldn't live up to that standard, so I left. I probably had her stripped down. And I wonder if she had her eyes closed, because it was the last bit of privacy that she could hold on to, to cover her eyes. 
as she hears the dozens of men's voices pounding into her ears. She probably doesn't want to listen. And then among those voices is the voice of her husband. I'll buy her, says in chapter three, Hosea says, I bought her back. He would have walked up to Gomer, covered her with a cloak, and spoke tenderly to her. It's kind of a complicated thing that he says, but he can summed up with this. You will be mine and I will be yours. We're married. I claim you. And you get to claim me. And we, we don't get to know what happens in the rest of their lives. And I wonder if that's because the drama was done. They went home together. Hosea paid a deep price. He paid financially. He paid emotionally. He paid socially. But he paid it so that his wife could hear his voice, so that he could hear hers, so that he could hear her cry. But remember, prophets, they would live out the life that was a word from God that he wanted to speak to his people. Well, God, when, when did you go to the public square? When did you pay a price? about 750 years later, in the same way that the man Hosea walked the earth, the God-man, Jesus Christ, was stripped down. He was put in a scarlet robe and they mocked him. They humiliated him right at the public square. They spit on him. Oh, you're the king of the Jews, aren't you? humiliated and when he's on the cross and he cries out nobody listens to him they abandon him no one would claim him but he's still crying out He's talking, he's speaking, because he heard my cry and he heard your cry. And he would pay any price. So you could listen to him. That he could proclaim us as his. Listen to him. And then maybe you'll start to have an idea of what to do. Amen. The most important instruction I can give you tonight is this. Jesus Christ himself is calling for you to come to his table. Will you listen? 
Will you respond? Will you claim him? I think we should. I think I know that's what we should do.